check once again, it's the incredible Hoops Animal, the uncannibal Odd man, he's number one Covers the hardcore better than anyone From sun to sun, get your weekly dose of hoop news and more Always getting more than just the final score Ball is life and life is ball High school to the pros, he covers it all Hoops Talk International, we at it again Climb to the top of the backboard and tell a friend Hoops Talk International, at it again The odd man better than anyone else Greetings and salutations. What's going on, y'all? This is the odd man, Audley Stevenson. You've got it locked once again to the Hoops Talk Nation podcast. Of course, uh, as our motto goes, this is where we like to keep that uh, basketball conversation going, and and, and we're going to do that uh, in today's episode, uh, taking a look at the history of basketball in Toronto. So our Canadian listeners uh, I certainly want to, to pay attention to some of the names you'll be hearing and, and, and the stories uh, via my good buddy Lance Wynn, who is the producer of Hankheim, 50 Years of Toronto Basketball History. And, and you know something, Lance, I know I'm going to bring you here in a second, but I will tell you, you know, with all the talk these days of, of, of super teams and, and, and players coming together to form these super teams, and that's a hot topic in the NBA, I would call you if I was forming my own super team. <laughs> you would get the call. Well, listen, I'm flattered, man. I, I would take your call. I don't know how much I could contribute on the court at this stage, but I would definitely take your call and accept your offer. I love it. <laughs> oh, man, listen, I appreciate I appreciate your your, your rolling through like this, and and I and I and I, I know I jokingly sort of mentioned Super Team, and I get you know that's that's a hot topic these days in the NBA, and you know with with the recent news of Chris Paul team with James Harden, that kind of shows you sort of. You know, you know where things are going in the NBA. I'm just curious. What do you think about CP3 joining the Rockets? Well, I think that there's only one ball, but I've said that before. When 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 two superstars, you know, that are used to holding on to the ball and right. being the catalyst on their team, all of a sudden now there are changes. But you can see, and Golden State's a perfect example that when you inject a superstar player, uh, the superstar player usually has the same attitude and understands that he's making a move for the betterment of the team. Right. He's already established, and you look at Kevin Durant, he, he slid in there nicely right. and did exactly what he needed to do to fit into the team. And a guy like Chris Paul, Paul, who is used to, you know, analyzing a game as it goes along and making adjustments, feeding the teammate who's hot, that sort of thing, he's going to fit right in there no matter what. I mean, right. he's a he's a consummate professional. Right. He's one of the best point guards in the league. So right. I I foresee them, you know, just being stronger than they are now. Well, and and, and because CP3's IQ level is so high, and and, and what fascinates me. Uh, I'm hearing conversations about people talking about it's not going to work and there's only one ball. And listen, I don't think James Harden has no problem sliding over to the two and, you know, giving the ball handling responsibilities of CP3 because he'll find you. Like, how can you go wrong with that? I don't get it. <laughs> well, no, you're absolutely right. And you look at someone like Harden's a proven scorer, but if you take a proven scorer 
and you alleviate some of the pressure and some of the t- trips down where he's got to create his own shot. Right. Now he's got a Chris Paul there to penetrate, draw defenders, and kick out, so create openings. Well, that's just making a scorer's job easier. Sure. It's not making his life harder. No. So Harden, I'm sure, will be okay you know, not having to bring up the ball all the time, exactly. not having a straight ISO, and maybe he just goes down, runs off a few screens, and gets himself a mid-range or, or, or a deep three. I mean, he can do that no problem. Sure. So, you know, I don't think when you add someone like a Chris Paul, you are only going to help. And I think the other guys on his team have to be smiling too because sure. they got to know Paul's going to find you if you're open. That's And that's kind of that's kind of how I see it. And that's why, like I said, I, I laugh when I – I hear these conversations. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, it was hot topic off top of my mind, and, and I, I had to get your two cents on that because I think it's a, uh, I think it's worthy worthy of discussion because it is a big deal having a guy like CP3 in the mix for sure. Well, I agree. I only gave you two cents, so you you might have to give me some change, Odd. All right, or we'll work on that as we go along. We got you. I hear you loud and clear, loud and clear. But but I I, I definitely want to get into the, the Hang Time DVD series that you put together. Um, uh, you were the you know you were the producer of, uh, and 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 I mean now now I've watched it, and 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 you know, as a guy from Toronto, uh, that was very much part of the basketball scene. I was inbred in my childhood growing up. You know, I'm I'm watching this and I'm going, wow, I didn't know that, or oh my goodness, or uh, you know, I'm seeing faces and I'm like, oh wow, he was part of that mix too. Like it was truly, truly, truly was an eye-opening uh, uh, experience for even for a guy like myself. Well, you know what, Odd, I I I think that it, that's great feedback, and I love to hear that because I think that I was on the lucky side of things in that I was able to interview a lot of the guys right. now. I, I did over 50 interviews with 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 past and 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 current players, and really it was a history lesson for me too. Mm. So when you date it back, and and my family is has been entrenched in Toronto basketball for for a few generations now, but when you take it back even further than that and get the real story about how things were, how things started, and to tell that story. And, again, hang time 50 years. I mean, we only had three hours on the DVD. We still, (laughs) you know, just scratched the surface of the actual story. But you're right. When you look at some of these guys and and what they did, and and you remember going to these gyms and and watching these guys and then playing yourself, right? Right, right. So, you know what, it it really fits in. And when you talk about playing at Jarvis and St. Mike's and, you know, Runnymede and some of the dynasties, Oakwood and and that sort of thing, you you really can stop for a second and go, wow, I can see how we got to this point now because basketball has been so entrenched in the Toronto scene for so many years. It has. And and I I loved, uh, I mean, love the stories, and we'll sort of talk about that in a bit, but I think for me, uh, when we talk about the beginning of it, and, 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 and how organically it just kind of happened. You know, there wasn't an organized developmental team that got together that said, Hey, let's do, you know, guys that say, Hey, let's go and play. And, you know, they saw, you know, they saw Dr. Day do and they said, let's try that and see how it works. And next thing you know, you've got this competitive experience that, that, you know, that, you know, now they're telling stories about. I just love the organic start of how this all thing got, got started when you look at it. Well, you know what, and I found that when you take it back even further than that odd, you mm-hmm. got to take it back to the fact that it was it was an economical sport. All you needed was a pair of shoes and one ball, and and there's ten guys. 
you know, occupied for the next couple of hours yep. or 20 guys or whatever. But it was so, and back in the day and in the, and in the heart of Toronto where, where I grew up, you know, it was a low income area yes. and you didn't have the money to throw around for this or that. So you made do and you played a sport that was popular and that was cost effective. And that was basketball. For me, I played because I had relatives that were older sure. and I watched them play yep. and man, I wanted to yep. play. So it was the same kind of feeder system that way. But you know what? It is such a game that's so simple that I think a lot of people started playing it just by chance right. and grew to love it more so than, you know, like now you can watch it on TV and go, wow, I'd like to do that. Well, as we know, back in the day, you didn't have that option. Sure, sure. I mean, you, you sort of talk about comparisons of back in the day and now. I mean, you know, m my son's 10 years old, and he's played four years of rep basketball. <laughs> Are you kidding me, man? <laughs> Way ahead years? of you, man. Way yeah. ahead of you. <laughs> Crazy. So it's it's, it's wild even you think of that. You know, how 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 much younger you know kids are getting involved with it and and and, and start getting that development and growth and and they're learning from pros today. Listen, how would you have felt if someone even remotely connected to professional basketball or even basketball just at a higher level? was to come and talk to you and that you could have learned from or sure. you could have seen firsthand and, you know, shook his hand or, you know, if we had that benefit, who knows, oh, you know, man. how big the sport would have been and how many people that would have touched and encouraged to play the game. Instead, you know, we were lucky to get that one NBA game, whether it came to Maple Leaf yeah, Garden, yeah. whether it came to Varsity, yeah. and then you only got NBA on Sundays. Right. And, you know, it was Boston-Philly, yeah. and then the, the late game was Lakers-Phoenix, right? right. right. <laughs> you know, that was usually what you got. Right. So, you know, you were really limited, whereas now you, the, the exposure of the game is, you know, is off the charts, and, 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 you know, the Internet has changed the world. And, you know, even when I talk to my kids, they can't fathom – things without the internet yes. just like they can't fathom a tv without a remote that's it. right that's it. you know we know we, yeah, we take it back so we absolutely. know <laughs> I, I was sent to change the channel on many occasions <laughs> that's right that's right stand and fix the antenna and change the channel you better believe it <laughs> let's take me back to the beginning of this project i don't even like calling it a project because it's, it's so much more than that but uh t take me back to sort of how how it got so, so two things H how you got this whole thing started and where did you how, how do you figure out where to start because that's big well you know what it it, it First off, it, I mean, we, we based the whole thing on Dana McKeel's book, Hang Time, mm -hmm. right? And I think the inspiration to do something was is that we were, we were 25 years from when Dana initially released the book. Okay. So we figured, you know what, that's a lot of time to cover, right? And there's still a story before his book and a story after the book. Right. So we tried to do a um, sort of a collection just to give people a general gist of the way things started. Now, unfortunately, we weren't able to go back as far as I would have liked to, but I think initially my thoughts were, okay, let me start with the guys with the most experience, the, the, the oldest guys who had seen basketball from, you know, its infancy here in Toronto 
all the way up to now and get their feedback. So we made up a bit of a list of guys that we wanted to talk to and say there were about 20 of them. Well, 10 of them were accessible, so we were lucky enough to sit down with them and grab their thoughts. Right. Right? So we kind of wanted to build it along in a chronological order to give people an idea of the way things were way back, the way things were, you know, when you and I sort of stepped into the scene, and then the way things are now right. with this new generation. So that's really where the premise came from the uh, for the entire DVD. Got you, got you. And, and, and yeah, and, and again, trying to figure out that starting point is, is huge because there's just so much history, so much people you're going to talk to. I'm sure there's people that you know, would have loved to have talked to that you didn't get a chance to. Uh, and, 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 I mean, the, the undertaking itself is just gigantic. Well, you're, you're right. And I even had to make up uh, an actual credit board on the DVD to acknowledge guys that I wanted to speak to but just didn't have time to. Right. You know, and that list is as long as the guys that, you know, the number of guys that I interviewed. But it really was, it took some planning just to be able to know what topics we wanted to cover. So we just, between the group, we, we, we just sort of, you know, whiteboarded the kind of things that we, we, we wanted to talk about, what we thought was important, what, of course, you know, the prioritize what's important, right. and how best to explain that. And I think the features in the DVD, you know, they touch on different topics from, you know, the beginning of ball, talk about fashion, talk sure. about, um, you know, about just the game overall, how it's evolved, race relations. Yes. We talk about the national team. And it's not, you know, it's not narrated. These guys that have experienced it, they are giving – their take yep. on things through their basketball eyes. What I loved is as they're giving, you know, their, their, their first-hand accounts, because really they were there. That was their experiences. You're watching the joy and the smile and the excitement as they're recounting their stories. And, and, and that, that, to me, by far, happened one of the favorite parts of the, of the entire DVD. Well, I'll tell you, that was one of my favorite parts about putting in the work to do it was sitting down and, and, and you know when you, you've touched a nerve when you bring up a topic and I found that um, asking guys their their first pair of ball shoes, yeah. getting guys to think back, and, you know, it's not something that you, you think about on a daily basis, but you think back and you go, wow, you know, how did I play in those? Right. right? Those were slippers, right? right? You know, true. but yeah. the look on, on the guys' faces when they really, you know, you could see the wheels turning and they're smiling and they're thinking and some guys are describing, they know their favorite shoe and, you know, it had a thing, a little black thing here with a switch on the side. And, you know, they're serious about it. So I think that every ball player knows what his first pair of ball shoes were. Sure, so sure, sure. I think uh, I, I think being able to touch on those things was part of the joy of of, of doing the project. You, you know, I I, I I I hate to only single out sort of one person, identify one individual uh, on that, but I I I I, I want to touch on David Joseph uh, and his impact specifically. Obviously, uh, you know, the son of, of Corey Joseph, who was a Toronto Raptor, you know, former San Antonio Spurs champ. Uh, you know, he, he represented Canada nationally. Uh, you, you sort of think about his humble beginnings and that impact and that ripple effect to 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 really to the life of his son and. And well, not just Corey. I mean, it's Devoe, you know, Devoe as well. But you look at it, all the impacts, and you know, his, you know, his upbringing and his starting point is just phenomenal when you think about it. 
Well, you know, and that was one of the things with with David, because David is such a low-key guy. He's not a kind of guy that toots his own horn. He's not the kind of guy he doesn't brag, he doesn't boast. That's just not his style, right? So sometimes it takes more than just him to kind of get a good story about him out. And I think that that's why having other guys contribute to it because when you talk about it, you're talking about a dad with, with, with one son that plays pro overseas and another son playing for the hometown Raptors, yeah. you know, in the NBA. You, you're talking something big here, and he doesn't boast about that. No. I mean, he's proud of his boys, sure. but he doesn't boast about that. And I think that's because, honestly and truly, if you ever had the pleasure of seeing David play, you would think, both of those two guys, between the two, you could have taken David kind of and split him in half yes. and given one half to skin one half the other because what David could do was everything, Yes. right? And, you know, DeVoe, of course, his strength is shooting. Corey's strength is, is facilitating. But David could do them both, Yes. you know? And I think the one story that, that he, never, he never told on camera, mm-hmm. but – the, the story that Joe Alexander, you know, one of the greatest players ever to play in Toronto, yeah. Joe comes out and tells me, I didn't know it at the time, about how David Joseph taught him how to dunk. Wow, yes. Yeah. You, you know, and, I, and, and we all look, we all watch Joe right. in amazement and go, man, but to think, who taught that guy yeah. how to dunk? And, and are you kidding me? You're telling me that Joe put his arm over the rim and dropped the ball actually got taught to dunk by someone. Wow. Well, so so stories like that are kind of stories that sort of take you back a bit, but it, it really makes you realize that this guy was a real talent. Now he's got two sons. He never held, you know, the grudge of the national team and not being part of the national team. He never held that, you know, over the head for his boys. Right. And he's done a good job of giving his boys – everything that they needed, including the inspiration to play the game at the highest level. Yeah, no, I to- totally. And, and uh, so much respect for, for him always wanting, well, continually giving back and even to this day giving back, whether it's teaching camps or whatever, mentoring, whatever, he, he's always there. And, uh, you know, why I have, you know, so much respect for DJ and, and what he's done. And uh, uh, Lance, I mean, I, I got a lot of respect for, 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 for this project and, and what you created and, uh, what kind of feedback are you get on 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 this so far? Because I'm imagining, you know, people are just really, really impressed. Well, you know what? I think the feedback is, and 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 you know, you you kind of take feedback. You take the good. You take the bad. Right. There were always things, you know, that 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 we could have had. I've had guys approach me. Oh, you missed this, and you didn't mention that guy. And you know, this guy was in. Sure, I I would have loved to have had that, but I only had the amount of time I had. So, but I mean, the, I think, I think the bottom line is that a lot of the guys that participated in it, um, they weren't aware of how it would turn out because until you see it pieced together with everyone and everyone covering the topics, mm-hmm. you sort of think you're, you're on your own little desert island, right? right as right, far as right. doing the interview. So when they, when they've seen it and seen the way things have been put together, like some of the stories and, 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 and other guys talking about the same, topic either reiterating what they just said or giving a different opinion they were really pleased with the fact that 
know, it was one of those things where I may have asked them and they answered right. and then they heard someone else say, yeah, that I wanted to say that too kind right. of thing. So right. the feedback has been really good. And I think that the story of Toronto basketball is a, is a story worth telling, especially now when, you know, with the Raptors being as good as they are and, and, and being the only, you know, Canadian basketball team here sure. in this country. Well, quite, quite frankly, with basketball being on the, you know, on the map in a legitimate way and on the forefront, uh, certainly the, t- the timing of this is phenomenal. Um, uh, and, and the growth of the sport is exciting, obviously. And for those, you know, guys like you and I that, you know, that love the game are just tickled pink because of all the exposure and attention our, our game is getting. So, uh, you know, I, I think the timing um, of telling the story is phenomenal. Uh, I, I, I also have to say, touching on, you know, tr- trying to identify the, the list of, you know, 50 greatest basketball players, uh, you know, in the Toronto area is a pretty uh, daunting task as well. <laughs> well, you know what? And it's funny you bring that up, Odd Man, because. That was a, a topic in which the group really had – that was probably of everything we discussed, that was probably the one where it was kind of a jury 50-50 split. You know, it, it came down to, sure, you had, okay, you know, 20 guys who were for sure the best to come out of Toronto, right. but then the other guys – well, you know, you, you, you ask one coach and he says this guy, this guy, and this guy because he's seen them play so many games. But then you ask another coach and, you know, he's got three different guys. So it would come down to a lot of opinion and how often a coach seen certain guys. So, you know, we could say top 50. We could probably bump that to top 100. Right. And, you know, kind of keep everyone included and not rank them from, from one to a hundred. Yeah. But I think that, um, that was one of the difficulties that we had was again, no internet, no nothing like that. So yeah. a lot of times, you know, you, you may not have seen, you know, someone have their best game, right. but that someone may have had that best game, you know, later on you weren't around and, and, and then that reputation carries over. Right, so right. I think now it's a little different with the exposure. Nothing kind of gets missed. Talent yep. is recognized right away. Yep. A little harder back in the day. So I think that was one of the challenges to us really narrowing it down to 50 of the greatest players. Well, yeah, because you're, you're, you're relying solely on firsthand you know, knowledge and there were, you know, the, the YouTube didn't exist back then. No, no. People's dunks or whatever, like that. I mean, it was all, you, you really had to just base it on stories and the emotion it brought out of people, right? I mean, that's it. <laughs> well, when you, you and, and you saw that when you, when, when guys recalled, you know, the best dunk they'd ever seen and yep. you, you, you could see the, and how vivid these guys remembered it. Yeah, because, you know, I wished and of course, putting it together, I wish there someone had a, you know, uh, a video on their phone sure. of, you know, Richard Stewart dunking over the two twins or yeah, yeah. Sam Hill Sam going Hill. right up the middle in the all-star game, yep. dunking over guys. Like, I mean, if we had that, you know, that would just, you know, kind of solidify what we're talking about, but we don't. So, you know, having these guys tell the story and how impactful it was 
because you know if someone did something like that in a game, yep. that that resonated throughout the whole yes. GTA. 100%. And that guy lived off that reputation for as long as he could. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And the guy at the other end of that dump did too, but there's a reverse well, You You better believe it. You better believe it. And I think, what, I think it was Coach Dave DeVero who said, yeah, that's the thing. You didn't want to get dunked on because guys will always remember that. And as you can see, we're still talking about it to this day. So it tells you it lasts forever. That it does. That it does. It lasts. Let's let our listeners know, you know, where they can snag a copy of the DVD for themselves. Uh, you know, as much as we're, you know, we're talking about what we've talked about, we've only scratched the surface. And it offers so much more. And, and I, I, you know, again, I think, I mean, basketball fans in general, but diehard fans, uh, you know, those that, that, you know, that, those that were in the city, I mean, I think for their, their, their people would be amazed that this was happening in their city and they were there that time and didn't realize it. So I think they're important stories. Where can we set them to get to pick up a copy? Well, listen, I, I think you're right about that. I think, if anything, it will give these younger kids a chance to understand that, you know what, basketball in Toronto didn't start with Vince Carter. That's not when it started. Okay? Really? You know, us, us having the yeah, us having the Raptors yeah. is actually our reward yeah. for putting in so much time and building it. But uh, Drew Ebanks at um, onpointbasketball.com is where you have to go to order your DVD. All you got to do is jump on that website, onpointbasketball.com, and, and you can just order, and, and it'll get delivered to your door. And, um, you know, watch and enjoy. Sure. You know, I, I certainly uh, I think there are a lot of ball players out there that uh, that took a nice trip down memory lane, yes, you know, and maybe learned something along the way. You know, as far as that goes, when they watch the DVD, and, and, and if listeners wanted to give you feedback or touch base with you, is there a particular way, way they could do that? Most certainly, you can either go through the On Point Basketball, or I'm always available at Lwin L W I N N at Simpatico.ca. Feedback is always welcome. Um, I think what uh, my my future plans are are to kind of expand on some of those features a bit and get some feedback on from some guys who I missed the first time around. And that way maybe, you know, we, we come out with a hang time part two, the extended version, just to elaborate on, on the different stories and, and, you know, include some other guys who were very instrumental in the sport, you know, in, in the history of Toronto ball. I, I I I would change and say you didn't miss them. You saved them for the second one. How's that? That's what I like to. That's it. That's much better. I put it much better on that without a doubt. So uh, I, I like that. I'm gonna go with that. That's it. We saved you for part two. So here we go. I love it. <laughs> and last, listen. I I appreciate uh, you rolling through it, and and I and I sincerely say. Uh, fantastic job! I, I was proud uh, to, to to watch and and, I, and I, listen. I know firsthand uh, the, the kind of work that goes into that a project of that nature. You know, setting up interviews, the research, sitting down, editing. I I, I get it loud and clear, and um, I have so much respect for not only you know doing that work, uh, but telling a really important story. So thank you very very much. Well, listen, Odd, I appreciate uh, you, what you do, and being a part of what you do and allowing me to get the word out a little bit and, you know, 
supporting the cause and supporting Toronto basketball and what we're trying to do. So thank you for that, and thank you for having me on. Not a problem, thanks. And, and to our listeners, you've been listening to the Hoops Talk Nation podcast, courtesy of the Odd Man Media Network. I'm the Odd Man, Audie Stevenson, and we are gone. Later. Later.